All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate you uh, spending your time, a couple hours, hour, two hours, uh, hanging out, telling your story. Uh, and I know a lot of people know you, you know, so, um, you know, I, but I just really appreciate you, Jim Harshaw. Do you know, because... I see Jim Harshaw, then I see Jim Harshaw Jr. Yeah. And I wasn't sure, you know, do you go with the junior? Do you usually keep that off? Yeah, I go with the junior because that's my my website URL is Jim Harshaw Jr. There's a there's an imposter Jim Harshaw out there somewhere pretending. Is to be there? Me. Oh, no, it's just, somebody <laughs> already had the URL. Uh, apparently, you know, there's a Jim Harshaw out there that had the URL, and I was so bummed. I'm like, ah. So I had jimharshaw.net, and I wanted to go with the .com. So I go with the .com. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like wait, like do the do the who is look up, see when the day that it's going to expire, and just snag it if you can. I've done that and I've given up on it, but I'm going to make a note of that right now. Look, <laughs> look that up again. Oh, it's crazy. We were just talking about you know technology, all this stuff that we have to deal with today from websites, and you get a great idea, and you say oh, okay, and you go look for the domain. It's already taken. It's always already taken. Yeah. Um, Okay, let me rethink about this. Or just technology, I was telling you, setting it up today. Do what I always do, plug my stuff in, and it doesn't work. And I panic mode go. You know, it's, I don't know if it's any better. When I I went to actually film and audio production school for a very short period of time, but that was back in the analog days, like slicing, you know, film and and audio tape together. But there was something about being, you know, having that analog where you have a little more control than you do with this yeah. digital stuff today. It gets a little yeah. hairy, but it can do some really uh, great stuff. It sometimes yeah. you get, it trips you up. Yeah. Um, so I could tell your story for you, but I think it's always, always best for, for you to introduce yourself to, sure. to everybody who's listening. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's a fair number of Pittsburgh folks listening or some kind of connection to Pittsburgh. So I, I did grow up north of Pittsburgh, Cranberry Township area, Diehard Steeler fan, still recovering from uh, losing three of our nine lives over the weekend um, against the <laughs> sure. Bengals. Um, that was wild. There, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a, you know, you're still recovering from that. But um, so I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. Dad was a sheet metal construction worker. Mom was a secretary and, um, you know, blue collar family. Grew up splitting wood and hunting, fishing and wrestling, you know, and uh, my you know, my, my thing was wrestling growing up and yeah. I, you know, just to kind of give you the, the full story. So I was, uh, I never achieved any of my goals in high school. I, my goal is to be a Pennsylvania state champion, never even got on the podium at the state championships, but luckily I, I worked hard. Um, some coaches saw that I had good, good grades, not great grades, but not, not like, uh, get into Ivy league type schools on your own, but I, I could, uh, I could get in with with wrestling, my wrestling background as well. So I got recruited by some great schools, University of Virginia being one of them, uh, Penn, Cornell, Brown. Ended up going to to Virginia, and I showed up at UVA, and everybody on the team was a state champion or multiple time state champion or multiple time state place winner. You know, they were all everybody at UVA was smarter than me. You know, I mean, just like <laughs> such a great academic school, and uh, and everybody had more money than me. You know, so I really didn't know if I, I fit or belonged and uh, didn't know if I was going to even make it onto the wrestling team. But but I was a recruited walk on essentially. And so a lot of self-doubt there and a lot of not knowing if I really belonged. And then, you know, fast forward five years and I have an undergraduate and a master's degree from the number one rated public school in the universe in, in the country. 
Um, I'm a Division One All American, three time ACC champion, ranked on the Olympic ladder. So you know, invited to live and train at the Olympic Training Center. Um, you know, just a complete complete transformation happened over those five years. And that sets me off onto a totally different trajectory. I end up getting into coaching and end up being the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country, coached for about 12 years all told. And then I got out of coaching and started my first business and that was successful. And I sold that and I started my next business and that one failed. Um, it was a technology company. I raised angel capital, uh, had an offshore development team, had no idea what I was doing. But we developed the software. We had revenue, but just not quite enough to to raise a family on. And I, I had to shut that business down. I mean, we, I went all in on that thing. And that's tough. We had debt debt up to our eyeballs. You know, I had a failed business, a struggling marriage because I was just putting all my time and energy and focus into the business, and wasn't connecting well with my wife. wasn't connected with my kids because I was so focused on the business. I was out of shape, worst physical shape of my life. I mean, I was broken, broken at that point. Yeah, and. And I remember as I was closing down the business, thinking to myself, like, what was in place when I was competing at the highest level? Like, what was in place when I was performing at my best, when I was maximizing my potential? And, and I realized it was like, there were four things. I mean, literally, this came to me. I was like sitting on the couch one night, you know, looking for a job, go th going through all this in my head. I'm scrolling past jobs for like, you know, paper boys and unpaid internships, you know, and and um, thinking like, how did I end up here? Like this wasn't supposed to be my trajectory. Right. But I did this reflection on like what was in place in my life when I was competing at the highest level and performing well. And it was, I came to me like, it was like a camera lens coming into focus, right? Like there were four things. And, and I'll just go through those four real quickly. Like number one, like when you're competing at a high level, like as an athlete like that, you, you, you're very clear on what's important to you. Like I couldn't have stated those as core values like I can today. But I, but I wanted to be disciplined. I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to go on to success after wrestling like so many of my heroes and mentors and coaches did. So that was the first thing. And the second piece was I had goals that aligned with those values, not goals that aligned with my parents' values or my teammates' values or my coaches' values or anybody else's, but goals that aligned with my values. And the problem is in the world is most of us set our goals based on what's parked in our neighbor's driveway, yep. you know? as opposed 100%. to really aligns with us. And that's the second piece. And then the third part was I have, I had what I, what I called an environment of excellence. Like I was surrounded by like-minded people who were doing really hard things, who had similar goals. I had coaches who, you know, helped me see my blind spots. They kicked me in the ass if I needed a kick in the ass or they, or they helped me, they picked me up and helped me course correct if I needed that, you know? And so I had this environment, you know, nutritionists and sports psychologists and athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches on and on. You're, you just live in this bubble, this world that is cultivated and created for you to have success. And that doesn't exist in the real world unless you yes. intentionally create it. You have to like mm -hmm. go seek it, go find it. Yep. And then the fourth and final piece is this, like all of that is well and good, but unless you have a plan to follow through, like when things get hard, you're going to, you're going to fall off track. You're going to stick to it for, you know, a week, a month, a few months, and then you're going to fall off track and wonder like, why can't I stick to this? But like when I was wrestling, you know, if I lose a match on like Friday night, let's say, and I'm, I'm sitting in the corner feeling sorry for myself, well, coach will come walking over like, Hey Jim, uh, I'll see you in the weight room tomorrow morning, 8am, you know, like it or not, yep. you had to be there. You had to be there. You had yep. a plan to follow through. And 
you know, because what happens in the real world, you know, kids get sick, cars break down, global pandemics happen, and we get we get knocked off course. And so, yeah. so that has become the basis of of what I do. That so that, that transformed my life. I mean, I tripled my income and healed my relationship with my wife. Started spending more time with my kids, got fit and healthy again, and and this is a they this sort of philosophy that I live by and that I get to teach. I realized like, you know, I have friends who have gone on to win Olympic gold medals. Like it's the same framework in their life. Like I have friends who have been professional athletes, same framework, you know, friends who are CEOs and New York times, bestselling authors and, and, you know, special forces, it's the same framework. And, yeah. um, and so that's, that's, that's my mission in the world now is to, to share that with as many people as possible. It's amazing, you know, when you're talking about this, because you're right, the framework is the framework. I mean, it's out there. You've put it into a great kind of four steps and have really thought this through um, and put that plan together where I look at things and I'm, I'm you know, for, for, for a lot of my life, I just wandered through life. I wasn't, I wrestled, I wasn't, I never had any desire. I wasn't, a, I'm an athlete by, by, by uh, physique and physical attributes, but I never had the love of sports like so many people do. Um, but I always played uh, something. I, you know, football, lacrosse, wrestled, swam. Um, and my son is a, is an athlete and he loves, you know, I always joke that that skips a generation, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that gene. Um, and I watch him and, you know, when you look in, at kids and as a father, you probably think the same thing. Like, you know, you're always looking to, am I doing the best job that I can and who's surrounding my children and are they the best people? And you can't always control that. Uh, but you're right about being in this bubble. If you fail, you'll feel bad about yourself. If you lose a game, if you mess up a play, you feel bad about that. But you only have a certain amount of time because somebody's going to kick you in the ass. Yeah. But when when you get out there on your own, it's you know, and it's not taught. You know, these are the, some of the things that I try to teach my kids, um, and I wish that were a curriculum around that for all all children to prepare them for the world. Because it doesn't seem like schools really do that. They get out into the world. They're used to having not being coddled, but being told what to do and being told you're expected to go do this. And when you have the freedom, uh, you know, a lot of people do get off course because as soon as you have the freedom, it's like the kids that never had. Um, fast food in their lives or, or never drank a beer and then they get to college and they're like, oh my God, I can drink as much yeah. beer as I want. Yeah. And, right. Or, you know, f just shove fast food and McDonald's in my face all day long. And you see them three or four years down the line, you go, uh oh, well, you're totally off track. And it's, I yeah. think it's kind of human nature um, because you're just meandering around. And I know I did that for a long time, just meandering. And then you Likewise. know, starting, starting businesses, failing all the time. And I love your message about failing. I say it all the time on this podcast. So whoever's listening, I apologize, but failing is the most important tool you have. Uh, and quitting, quitting is different, right? Quitting, quitting is a whole different ball game. And, and we're taught that they're kind of the same. If you fail, well, you, you just can't do it. Well, no, you get up. It's just like riding a bike or what, you know, whatever you're trying to learn. You, you bump your head, you get scratched, you, you get bruised, you break a bone. Maybe it's worse than that, but you know, you got to get back up and keep going. Uh, and I know I learned that in my life. And then with the most fascinating thing to me is you talked about people surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, 
and especially in business, I don't know if you've found this, but I know I found in uh, my business, which is, you know, all business is primarily sales, you know, whether you're selling a service, selling a good, uh, it, it is all sales. And when you're young, you're taught, well, just sell, make the money no matter what the cost, you know, just go out there and make sure you sell your boss. Your boss is like, why don't you make this out? You're like, well, because I didn't really want to steal from somebody. They're like, well, just go steal from people. You're like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Um, but when you find yourself kind of surrounded by people and you're asking for help, you know, sometimes you reach out to people, but if you ask people who don't have the same mindset for help, they don't really want to help you. You know, they might say, uh, yeah, I'll help you, but what do you have for me? And so if you don't have anything for them, then there's not a synergy there. As I started, actually, since I started doing this podcast, I've been able to talk to people like you. You introduced me to some amazing people that I've been talking to. Um, and uh, everybody like wants to see everybody succeed. And it's a different feeling. It's a different world when you're talking to somebody. You're not expecting something from them. They're not necessarily expecting something from you, except everybody just wants to elevate everybody else. And uh, I never really had that in my life too much. So I, I appreciate what you're doing and what you're teaching uh, and, and your morals and um, your coaching. Uh, and somehow we've got to like package this and bring it to Pennsylvania school board or, or, or yeah, you know, I mean, that's and, one of my missions in, is, is it? literally, I just got off of a call right before you and I jumped on this, where I'm, I'm part of a business mastermind group and there's amazing entrepreneurs from all, all over the world. Actually, there's 10 people. And one of the things I was kind of on the hot seat today talking about my business and getting feedback. And one of the things that I shared with them is like, cause they were asking about the vision is like, uh, the vision is that this is a curriculum taught in schools, like this framework that I'm teaching generally high performing people who know there's another gear in them. And we're really crystallizing this framework in their life so they can like propel them, propel them to the next level. And, and it's like, but kid, like you said, like kids need this, like we need to teach this framework, plant this seed young. Cause we say some of this stuff, right? We tell kids, Oh, you have to have goals and, you know, surround yourself with the right people. We say those things. Um, you got to know what's important to you, but like, there's no, there's no framework for it. There's no, it's not, it's just kind of these, these cliches that we say, which are great. I mean, I think those are really valuable, but like, let's actually teach it. Let's actually instruct it. Let's actually give them worksheets and homework and watch videos and, and, you know, listen to life stories of really amazing people and go, oh, these four steps are, were in this person's life and that's why they found success. However you define success, because success to some people is, you know, making millions of dollars and success to other people is being the best father they can be or running an Ironman or whatever it might be, right? Like the people I work with tend to have goals. Those are all of their goals, right? They want to be right. an amazing husband or wife or, or father. They also want to crush it in their business. And they also want to be very hit, fit and healthy. It's like, well, you can have all of those. And like, you can. the one piece that I didn't go too deep on is like when I was wrestling, when you look at athletes and, you know, you same thing with you, Adrian, is like when you're competing, like you kind of have this single-minded focus, right? When I was wrestling, it was pretty much all about wrestling. Everything else was second. I got great grades at UVA and, you know, graduated. I had a 4.0 my scene in graduate school. Congrats, and, man. Good. Yeah. Like, so, so, but I had the single-minded focus. In the real world, you can't have that. You know, you have kids, I have kids. We have, you know, our health and wellness to, to worry about and, and to, to pay attention to our spouses, our businesses. Like there's multiple stakeholders. So now we can't just have that one goal. It has to be multiple goals. 
right? So we teach, we teach goal. You know, we don't just set goals in one area. We set goals in, in four areas of our lives, relationships, self, health, and wealth. Yeah. And relationships are so important. I mean, you know, self, self-help or self, self-health is, everybody should feel that they need to be healthy. And, and, and I, I do go off on tangents about health. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to be you know, the epitome of the healthy person, but, you know, exercise, eat yeah. well, everybody knows what to do. Um, and it, that will just translate into your whole life, into your outlook, into your mindset. Um, and, uh, you know, lately, I've been having to wake up early. So I used to work out at night. And I think working out any time of the day, wherever it is, get it done. Uh, but I've been working, my kids' schedule changes, so I'm waking up earlier. I'm getting my workout done by like 8 a.m. I get, a, you know, 45 minutes to an hour in. And it sets the pace for the day. You know, if you can get out there early. And I was never really that kind of person. Yeah. But in the last, not even month, it's, man, okay, I hit those. You were talking about failures. I hit those failures harder every morning than I'm going to feel throughout the rest of the day. You know, I mean, whether you're lifting weights or you're doing cardio or hit or running, you know, that failure in the morning, man, it, it for me, it's like, damn, I, I, you know, nothing I can do for the rest of the day was that hard. So piece of cake. Um, the, the, you know, when you talk about uh, being successful in your business, going out there crushing, it's all kind of selfish. But the relationship one's hard. I, I think that that's probably the hardest because that's more selflessness than, you know, it's easy to say, I want to, I want to go do this. I want to go work out. I want to crush this business. It's up to me and my colleagues, but now I'm dealing with kids. Now I'm dealing with a spouse. Now I'm dealing with friends, parents, whomever, and it's about them. And that's the hardest thing, at least in my life. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet, because a lot of it is kind of a selfish uh, mindset that we have. Um, and you're, I was talking to to your friend who you introduced me, Jake Herbert, yeah. uh, yesterday, and uh, he's he goes, you got to watch this video, this two minute video. Did you see, I'm sure you've seen it with the the girl with the nail in her head. Oh Have yeah, you seen this one. Right. Yeah, I mean that's it's a two minute video. Everybody should watch it. It changed just last night. My you know my my wife was uh, talking about her day, and instead of trying to fix everything. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really rough, you know. True. There you go. That's <laughs> right. You, for the it listener, changes you the whole thing. YouTube it. Yeah, look up yeah. the nail in the head video. It's it's hilarious. You got to go see it. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And if you implement it as a guy, at least, I, I mean, I notice it immediately. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, nobody wants me to fix anything. They just want me to listen yeah. and hear hear what's going on. Yeah, it's amazing. But uh, um, yeah, so I think right. so I've, on, on the topic ahead. of relationships, like relationship goals being the hardest, like. Um, I, I agree with you. Like te we tend to, especially as entrepreneurs, put the like wealth and career business goals first, you know, and that's, it's a, it's an easy goal to set. I mean, it's like dollars in revenue or customers or, you know, widgets sold, that kind of thing. Like it's very clear and easy to do that. Health goal is the same thing. It's like, well, I want to you know, run the 5k or I want to run the marathon or the triathlon. I know you're training for like, you know, those are, those are like easy, like, in the sense that they're simple. It's simple to set those simple, goals. Yeah. But the the relationship goals, that's a little different. Like it's hard to say, you know, um, I want to, you know, my marriage to be 50% better 
uh, by the end of the year. Well, how you can't measure that, right? You can't measure your goal, your your relationship goals. Like, I want to spend you know twenty five percent more time with my kids uh, this year than last year. It's like hard to measure, but but you still have to do it. You still have to find ways to do it. And there's a difference between process and outcome goals. And you know, like a in the health category, like a process goal might be, uh, I want to run three to four days a week. So you want to run four days a week, you know, increasing my mileage every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a process goal. Well, the same goal as an outcome goal might be, I want to run a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon in November or something like that. And same thing, you might be, you're good, not, not that one's right and one's wrong. One just happens to be a process, one's an outcome. And those are both fine, perfectly fine ways to set a goal. In the relationship category, it's mostly going to be a process goal because the outcome is harder to measure. So you say, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I'm going to have a date night with my spouse once a week or every two weeks or whatever that number is. I'm going to spend one uninterrupted hour with my children, you know, three times a week or once a week, whatever the number is for you. Um, So you have to create those processes and like where you check the box once a week or once a month or whatever the case might be, you have, but you have to, you still have to be specific there. Yeah. And which makes a lot of sense and it's hard. It's, I think it's very difficult. Um, but it's something to work on and uh, I'm, I'm at the baby steps of that, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh I'm going to do my best, you know, and, and see where we can go. And I wanted to you know, kind of go back and if, if you, you know, talking about your childhood, you know, you're talking about your dad being, uh, you say an, an iron worker, sheet metal. Yeah. Sheet metal, sheet metal. metal. Okay. Um, and was he an athlete when he was a kid or he was not. So he grew up in Millville, which is okay. just right outside of Pittsburgh there. And, um, it, well, he, I should say he was an athlete in the sense he was a boxer. He did some boxing. Okay. Um, but the school that he went to growing up, you know, they just wasn't, there wasn't much offered in terms of athletics. It wasn't sort of something that you did then in, in his school. And um, so I think he really missed out, especially like wrestling. He would have been, he would have been a great wrestler. You know, he just has, he's the toughest person I know, uh, the hardest working person I know. I mean, he would have like, he would, and, and he's, he's fit and athletic. I mean, he just, he would have been an amazing, amazing wrestler. Um, but so, you know, he, he, he did some boxing, but you know, by and large, he wasn't an athlete in the sense that, that you and I think of, uh, you know, high school athletics or anything like that. And my mom as well, but, um, she didn't, she, she actually did some softball and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, same thing with her, right? It really wasn't in the, in the family and what they did. Uh, my, my dad actually was a WPIL champion in the rifle, on the rifle team. So he, he did oh, uh, okay. on the rifle team. So well, that's good. Yeah. No, um, but it's not like it came from a family, you know, where there's, you know, like your father, exactly. you know, obviously it was a, you know, he's right. a superstar. <laughs> you a be, yeah. Well, and in Pittsburgh, you know, you have these wrestling kind of dynasties almost, you know, sure. and it's like, yeah. What age did you start wrestling? Six. I was six years old. And six. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned Jake Herbert, who you mentioned, you talked to, to yesterday, you know, Olympic, you know, uh, Olympian and uh, world silver medalist, one of the best in the world, NCAA champion, um, Pennsylvania state champion. They were at the neighboring, he was at the neighboring high school. He's younger than me, but uh, I grew up wrestling with uh, another sort of legendary wrestling family in the Pennsylvania area in the Pittsburgh area it was Teague Moore, Teague and Ty Moore and the Moore family. Yeah. Um, just a bunch of wrestlers came out of there, wrestled at North Allegheny, but they started, Teague and I used to bloody each other up in when we were six years old in the, in the Seneca Valley wrestling room, you know? So we were teammates when they lived in our school district before they moved. But um, yeah, we used to beat the crap out of each other and, 
but uh, yeah, that's where it all started. So wait, how, you don't mind me asking, oh, yeah, you probably don't care. Uh, how old are you? I'm 46. Okay, I'm 46 too. Because I remember I, when I wrestled, I wrestled at, uh, in middle school, I wrestled at Shadyside Middle School. Okay. And yeah. I remember, you know, the name Tigmore. And I, I, I was trying to think of my weight class. And I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know who this kid was, but I wrestled, I had to wrestle this. Did you guys ever wrestle Shadyside? Guys, do you remember? No, no, we never did. Not in middle school. No, okay, because I, I was a, I was a pretty good wrestler. Well, I, I shouldn't say I was a pretty good wrestler. I was a big kid, um, and I did pretty well. I don't know if I was a good wrestler, but I don't know. Maybe I was just stronger than than most people. But there was two matches that I remember, and I don't remember who they were against. One, one match. I this. I mean, I was a big kid. This guy was like, like he looked like he was thirty years old. He gets in the ring, and I mean, he just picked me. I, there was nothing I could do. I, I yeah. was a rag doll. I was trying to get out of the, you know, just off the mats. It's like, man, I'm just getting killed. Then I wrestled this somewhat thin kid. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to destroy this kid, but that's where I learned that what a real wrestler is, because we we went. He beat me, I think, in points if I remember um but it was just a brutal match and he was I was obviously bigger stronger more powerful but he was just a much better wrestler and he'd have me tied in knots and I could I could force my way out of it but I'm using all this energy yeah, oh, uh, yeah. And I remember almost I mean you're not in there that long but what is it three I think it was three minutes at the time yeah, probably, I don't uh, two probably two 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 minute first second third period man no that was high school I mean middle school is probably like one minute two minute two minute period <laughs> it doesn't yeah. sound like much man but no. I remember like almost blacking out can barely see uh oh it's it was so hard I remember those two matches um and then then realizing that man some of these kids that can actually wrestle it's a whole different level yeah you know, like and, what, what you were doing and, and and it goes back to my concept of the environment of excellence. Like you grow up in wrestling in a, a Pittsburgh type of area where it's just, it's maybe the best wrestling hotbed in, in the entire country. And you don't know what you don't know. Like I'm, grow, I'm growing up, I'm wrestling against Teague Moore and, and all these great wrestlers from the Pittsburgh area and not thinking anything of it and just going, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm losing a lot. You know, I, I won a lot. I was successful as a WPIL champion, but like, you know, you're just, you're just wrestling against guys who you, you don't know any different. And then, you know, I didn't never got on the podium at the state championships and you feel sorry for yourself. And then it's like, then you get out into the, the, the general wrestling population and you beat the crap out of everybody and you go, oh, like, so this environment of excellence that I was in this, this microcosm of excellence, which is with that is, you know, Western Pennsylvania wrestling, you know, you can, you know, I was, you know, certainly above average, but like, you know, in the greater wrestling universe that puts you uh, certainly uh, among the, among the top, you know, which I end up being a, a division one, all American, you know, um, that's amazing. One of the best in the country, but that's just the world that you grow up in. So I always encourage people like, go find that for your, like, whatever it is that you want to be good at, go find that, like, go find the best people and just join the group, just sign up. Cause yeah. it will raise your standard. Actually, my most recent podcast episode on success through failure was, was about that. It's about raising your standard by finding the groups and organizations and people that you can join, whether it's the, the, you know, getting, joining a gym, you know, getting a gym membership and joining, you know, joining a group class or signing up for, like I told you, I was in this group of entrepreneurs, like 
I'm like the I'm like the dumbest guy in the room. I'm like the worst entrepreneur in the room, which is fantastic because mm-hmm. you know, like I'm learning from all these great people. And that's where you want to be. You want to be around people who raise your standard. I mean, I was on that call getting this feedback. I'm like, ah, uh, okay. I'm, yeah, I get it, guys. So I gotta level up. Like, so that's what we have to do. And that's what I had in Pittsburgh wrestling without even knowing it. Just you just wrestle against the next guy and he's he's a he's a total stud and you don't you think he's just like a, the dude down the road but he's like one of the best guys in the country yeah um it, which is it, it's incredible and now did you find yourself so after college after all of it's over like i mean it's like one day you're the superstar and then the next day you become like an average joe yeah I mean, you're just an average guy just kind of going you go i have these skills I mean, unless you become a fighter or something, right? Most of these sports skills they don't translate to the real world um, of business. I mean, some of the lessons do. How to do it? You know, like like this framework I just shared with you. But but we're not that. Right. the The lessons are there, but you Mm -hmm. start and you go, "Okay, I'm not. I'm not the star wrestler anymore." It's just like if you're you're a pro football player, and you know, you get three or four years in, your career's over, and you go, "Uh oh." Well, now, yeah. now I'm just, uh, I wake up in the morning and uh, what are my options? I can watch, you know, soap operas uh, or I can try to do something. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, there, there's, we like to kind of poo-poo that, that time period where you're unproductive. But really looking at those times, at least in my life, and you always, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you could say, well, I wish I could, I could have been, you know, there was years where I could have been much more productive. Of course. But yeah. those unproductive years really taught me that that's not where I want to be. You know, yeah, so oh, how, absolutely. Yeah, how do I can move on uh, and figure it out? Um, and my mistake was always thinking I could do it myself. You know, my, my sports were, I mean, I did play lacrosse. I played uh, football, but it wasn't really those. I, I swam and I wrestled were the two that I liked because they're more individual. It was up to me, you know. I either did it or I didn't. I mean, you, you learn that. I mean, there's points and all that, but at the end of the day, it's just you and somebody else. Um, where I never really learned that team. I always was always afraid to le- uh, let the team down. You know, screw up the play, and then I I failed yeah. the whole team, not just myself. I can deal yeah. with myself, uh, but out in the real world, to your point. You have creating that team of excellence, creating and surrounding yourself with people is one of my my biggest problems. I have a lot of problems, so it's up there with Hello. the other t- other ten thousand of them. Um, where you you could say, okay, I could do it myself. If they could do it, I could do it, and I'll figure it out myself. And people are telling you, you know, they're giving you advice or they're trying to, and you, you're a dumb kid. And I don't know if for me it just came with age. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, but but then you see some people that get it right off the bat, um, and I don't know if that's something that they were taught as kids, if their their parents taught them that, or they had a mentor as a teacher at a young person at a young age that yeah. really uh, you know instilled that in them. But that's why I was saying that a program like yours would be so important. Um, there's a lot of programs that would be important that we should be teaching our kids um, from finance and bills and credit scores and all of that, but. Yeah. These that framework uh, is is probably the most uh, the most profound moving into adulthood and trying to figure out what you want to do. And, you know, on the other side, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and not everybody 
sure. really want success in their lives or they don't strive for success. I don't get it, but you know, teach their own, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I've learned over the years, especially in this business of personal coaching is like, everybody's just different and, and that's cool. You know, that's okay. You know, like, uh, you know, my wife doesn't have a competitive bone in her body and she's awesome. I love the yeah. heck out of her and she makes me better. And, you know, it's, you know, part of the work that we do is, is these assessments. And, and, you know, when you read these assessments, you realize like, we're not all, we're not all cookie cutter. You know, we're all just so different and have different drives and desires. And, you know, you see, you know, you see some people who are super rock solid, dedicated and committed to excellence and other people who aren't. And the people who aren't like, they're good people too. I mean, it doesn't, you know, doesn't mean they're, they're not as good as the people who are committed to like becoming you know, an Olympic champion or a millionaire or whatever. It's like, they're just different people who are wired differently and driven differently and interested in different things and find happiness and joy and satisfaction in different things. And, and both are okay. It's a matter of figuring out again, what you value and the vision that you have and want for your own life. And whenever you, identify that, then you start building goals around those things. And for some people, it's going to be, it's going to be Olympic champion or millionaire. And for other people, it's going to be some, something else, like whatever it is that they want to craft, like this, this lifestyle where they get to go, I don't know, uh, uh, fishing every weekend and get to spend a ton of time with their kids and they're off, off work at four or five o'clock every day or whatever it might be. And that's awesome too. Honorable. That's and awesome. great too. And you get that steady paycheck and you get, yeah. you know, there's some, some security there. I, I yep. get it. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really get it cause I, I can't, I've never been able to get my, have that, but I know people in my life are like, just go get that steady paycheck. And yeah. they're like, yeah, for some reason I have like a mental disability. I can't do that. I, I, that's not what I want out of life. Um, which makes it more difficult probably. But, um, you know, you said you, you had started a business. Uh, how, how old were you when you started your first business? So my first business, um, so that would have been um, about 30, right around 30, okay. 31 years old. Yeah. Well, 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 and do, can you talk about that? Yeah, that, that was, so that was, a, so that was a window cleaning business. So I was, I started it on the side when I was still coaching. I was actually running the uh, regional Olympic training center uh, in, in, in Virginia and um, I started this business on the side a friend of mine, who's a very successful entrepreneur. He's like, you know what? He's like, look at all these windows, every house and every building in, in the city of Charlottesville has windows. And there's only like one or two window cleaning businesses. He's like, I'm going to start one unless you do I'm like, I'll do it. So I started it and, um, and it grew quickly and, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was just a good business and we started adding different things. And so it was window cleaning, power washing, gutter cleaning. We hung Christmas lights. That was a really cool service that we did. And, uh, you know, I had 10 employees, uh, had a virtual assistant who kind of ran the business. I had a very systematized and, um, really could have been franchised, uh, yeah. as, as well, just the way I had it systematized. I mean, she was answering the phones. She was, uh, she was in, I mean, she, literally she was in St. Louis. She had my cell phone for the business. And, um, this is back in the, you know, 2007, 2008, when it wasn't as easy to run a virtual business as it is today. And, um, you know, I had crews who would just 
you know, I'd give them their work orders for the day and they go out and do it. And I would just interface with the customers to do quotes and that sort of thing and marketing and work on strategy. And, and that was super fun. I mean, what a learning experience. That was my MBA, you know, between that yeah. and then the technology company that I started after that, just learned so much in terms of building a business and the numbers and um, customer service and employees and, and business structures and all that. It was, it was amazing. So, and so you, 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 you're coaching, you start this, this business, uh, and I, I kind of skipped over coaching, so maybe we'll go back to that, but, um, you, you, you're doing, it sounds like, I mean, you're kind of growing this business. What was the impetus to then change direction? Uh, yeah, good question. Because, um, I, I look back on that and I think, um, like that, that bit, I enjoyed the marketing, uh, the most. In that business, I really enjoyed working on the business and 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 the marketing of it and whatnot. So I, I decided. I realized, you know, this is this business is not fulfilling. Yeah, you know, we're we're cleaning windows and power washing houses. Like it's not very fulfilling. Yeah. What, what I miss, and this is this is just the you know they say youth is wasted on the young. You know, like I didn't realize at the time that I had uh, a successful business. I'd gotten it over the hump. We had very uh, recurring revenue base. I was, didn't have to add. You know, we're putting less and less dollars into advertising because customers were just repeat, repeat now. Like we did very good work. And, um, and, and I didn't realize that, you know, I was impacting lives through, I was hiring people who needed jobs, giving them jobs. Uh, I feel like I was a pretty good boss. You know I mean? I, I, I poured into them. I loved them. I treated them well um, and paid them above, above market value. And um and, and we were making people happy. We, our customers loved us because we did really good work. We were clean. We were professional. Everybody was trained, well-trained and in uniforms. And it was just a pleasant experience. And we sent them, you know, we'd always send them like a 20 some dollar gift certificate for a, a car wash afterwards to like the local high end car wash, you know, like yeah. so really just um, really just, it was it really worked on that customer service experience. And but I didn't realize at the point at that time, I was like, I'm changing lives. I'm making the world a better place. I'm, you know, giving people jobs and, and, you know, having great interactions with employees and partnering with other companies and different things like that. And um, so I, I got bored with it. Uh, and then I, and I fell in love with the marketing. I was like, gosh, I can, you know, build a marketing consultancy and, and agency and, and, and start building this software. I had this vision for a software. So that was the impetus for selling that business and starting the marketing company was um, having a vision. And I sort of started that on the side and kind of pieced together a bunch of technologies then and and um, created more or less a, a, a software that where you could, it was designed for grassroots sports organizations. Think, you know, high school wrestling team, for example, you know, or, or any high school team or, or club teams where you want to educate and engage your fan base, your parents, your alumni. And, you know, there's just no good way to do that. There's, you know, everybody has a website, but it's, you know, it's out of date. Everybody has a, had a Facebook page or a Twitter feed and it was just never updated. And so I created a system where you could send out the, send out the update, the team update, you know, about the, the, competition that just the game that just happened yesterday or what's coming up next week or hey we have our big fundraiser coming up or whatever it might be you send out the you type out the update you hit send and it updates your facebook your twitter updates your website um can can go out and uh, send a text message out to anybody who's subscribed to your text message alerts 
and it will you know compile all the all those messages and send them out into an email blast every Monday morning. So just sounds um, great. Yeah, it was a really cool tool. You know, we had you know revenue and and a lot of customers and but just didn't. Um, it was a little bit ahead of its time. You know, this yeah. is two thousand uh, nine or so, uh, right before the market crash, and um, just was ahead of its time. You know, it's probably I guess nine, ten, eleven was when that took place, and um, I learned a ton through that business. I mean, I didn't build it. I, I built a I built a solution for a problem, but I didn't build a solution for a problem in the way that the market wanted it. And I figured okay. out the way that the market wanted it at the end when I was out of money. You know, everything that was broken, broken. I'm like, oh, I gotta get man. a job. You know, yeah. And um, but it was fascinating to learn at the end. I actually went back to some customers and some uh, customers who were on the fence and said, you know, if you had a magic wand, how would you solve this problem? And the, with the problem of, of communication, engagement of their alumni and their community and their fans and that sort of thing. And they told me all, they, they, they literally, you know, told me how they wanted it made. And I'm like, ah, okay. And I actually created sort of a, called a wireframe, sort of a, a non-functional sort of version of what the, the software would look like. And I built it very quickly and easily. And they're like, yeah, that's what I want. And it, it would have taken couple hundred thousand dollars to really build it out the way they wanted it. And I was out of time and of money at that point, but, but I learned so much. I mean, it was so, so helpful to go through that process. It sucked. It was yeah. failure. Um, you know, dead up to our eyeballs, like I said, and, you know, struggling relationship with my wife, wasn't spending enough time with my kids. I wasn't working out enough and that all sucked, but that's why I'm here. That's why I'm sitting here talking to you today because yeah. you know, that, that, educated me so much that I, that I've been able to build a business out of like the rebuild of my life that I learned how to rebuild, learned how to build, you know, turn failure into success as a wrestler. And I learned how to turn failure into success as a father, uh, uh, in my health and fitness and in, in my, my business life, my professional life. And, um, and that's why I'm here. You know, we don't, we hate that failure. Hate the failure. Yeah. I mean, but but it's the most important thing to pay attention. And that's where, you know, I, I, I assume a lot of people um, kind of break down is the paying attention. You know, when I, when I feel bad, and one of the things that I've learned in my life is, you know, when there's a bad day, I, all I know is that there's a good day coming. Uh, and when there's a good day, in the back of my mind, I'm going, okay, this isn't going to last forever. So uh, I don't know if that's a healthy way to go about it, but... Um, I'm prepared. You know, I, I keep in mind, and you have those bad, I had a bad day the other day. It just it wasn't, nothing bad happened. It was just one of those shitty days. You know, he's just going, ah, nothing's feeling right. I don't feel well. Kind of half-assed through my workout. Um, and I go, okay, well, probably tomorrow or at least by the end of the week, I'll have a, a much better day. Um, but, you know, I pay attention, to what, you're tr trying to pay attention to what's going on. And when you fail, why did you fail? And you said something earlier, much earlier, where, you know, exercise, it's like one of the easiest things you can do. And, and not that exercise itself is easy, but all you have to do is do it. You know, it's just, if you yeah. do it, you'll get results. Where it's one of the parts of, you don't necessarily get that in business. You do this and you say, I got a result, but it's not the result I wanted. If you, listen, if you pick up some weights and you lift weights for a month and you do it every day, you're going to see some results. Mm -hmm. You might not be exactly where you want, but you could go business and go, oh, failure. 
okay, let's just you know realign this, shoot again. Another failure. But maybe I learned something. So now I'm getting closer to my goal and I fail, fail, fail. I failed my whole life. You know, this is the way I look at it. But not quitting is what gets me to where I am and my where I see for my success, for like you were talking about what I want. No. You know, so but I don't know if I'll ever get there. And I think that's the point. Because I don't what happens if you hit your ultimate success? Like what do you it's kind of like to me, it would be like being a professional player or that last day being, you know, Division One wrestling champion, you know, All-American. And then the next day you go, oh, well, shit, <laughs> figure something out. So my dreams are way out and never, never land. Um, but uh, you would also uh, were talking about you know, looking back and those not necessarily regrets, but those learning moments where you can reflect on life. And you were talking about your, you know, what I didn't realize was that I was changing people's lives. And, 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 you know, and that's, it reminded me of that short conversation we had about that entrepreneurial spirit and then the relationships where we're kind of focused on our goals, but forgetting about the relationships and the people that we might be affecting positively or negatively, um, uh, which which makes it very difficult. And I, and I don't know, you know, you, you said when you were 30, um, you started that business and, you know, in your th- early 30s. Um, and now you're 46. Yeah. And, and I'm at the same point, I'm looking at just my timeline, thinking about that when you're talking, thinking, yeah, man, at 30, at 25, at 30, 35, probably right around 35 to 40 is when I started really looking at myself saying, well, you're being too selfish. You know, the the people in your life are the only real people you have. I mean, those are the relationships you need to have and build more relationships built on trust uh, and and helping people. Instead of trying to help me, uh, I'm out there trying to help. Anybody want something? Yeah, I'll do my best. doesn't mean I can help you. I don't mean I don't have the contact, but I may have a contact I can reach out that has a contact that might be able to help you achieve your goals. Uh, and uh, but that's it's so difficult, you know, or it was for me at least. Yeah. And then, then, then you look back and say, "Oh, five years ago, I was such an idiot," and now I'm 46. So when I'm 50, I'm going to look back at my 40, 45, 46, and be like, "Man, you were such an idiot back then." But yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. There was an author I read. Uh, he, he says, um, "I'm constantly amazed at how ignorant I was two weeks ago." <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> You learn something, you go, oh, my, I can't believe I didn't know that or buy into that. Or I had a different thought about that just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I, I, back to that silly little nail in the head video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm t- right. telling you that little, I watched it yesterday and I was like, oh, I've, I've heard it a hundred times, right? I've heard that message more than a hundred times. And it's like, no, no, no. I can, everybody wants, you know, if they come to you with a problem, they want it fixed, right? No, they don't always want it fixed. They want to be heard. They want to be understood. Uh Uh-huh. And that little video. So again, go watch the video. Nail in is it called nail in the head or yeah, if you if you YouTube nail in the head video, you'll you'll find it. You'll find it. Yeah. I'm sure it has millions of views. Um but those little things, you know, and that you know, and something that little thing came directly from you. It didn't come directly from you, but we talked what, a week ago, uh briefly. Uh, you introduced me to a couple of people. I reached out to them and all of a sudden I get this little thing that probably will change my relationships moving forward. Yeah. You know, which is huge. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, making those connections is, is, is amazing. Now, from, so you're, you, you start the tech, tech company and you're probably right. It was probably a little bit early because now, well, now they have like, uh, our teams use one called team snap. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that, but similar. Sure. Um, yeah. so you stop that. I'm assuming you, you, you're feeling pretty, pretty down, um, feeling like a failure, everything's going wrong because those things just tend to domino effect because yeah. you're feeling so badly. Yeah, Everything in your life starts going wrong. Um, wh- what was the moment that, or how long of a time and what was that moment like where you said, okay, I got to get off the couch, a proverbial couch and uh, make a change in my life? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was this slow sort of downward spiral of like, we're running out of money, we're running out of money, we're running out of money. And the stress was ramping up in the, in my marriage and in the house and just financially. And, and, um, so, so it was just a conversation really. I never thought really when was the moment where I knew I had to make a change. It was like, um, it was a conversation with my wife literally before, that it was that evening when I decided, you know, I started scrolling through Craigslist looking for jobs and, and, you know, we had that conversation and I started looking for jobs and she went to bed and I was like thinking to myself, how did I end up here? And then I closed my computer and walked upstairs and laid down and, you know, in, in bed and stared at the ceiling thinking like, you know, she's asleep and I'm staring at the ceiling in the dark thinking like, like, where did I go wrong? Like, what am I missing now? Like everybody talks about all these great life lessons in sports. I need them now. And so that was the moment, you know, that was the moment where I knew um, where, where the transformation happened. Really, it was just laying there in, in bed thinking that that's really when the transformation happened, because if not for that moment, all the other stuff doesn't happen. Right. It wasn't, yeah. it was um, asking questions of like, yeah, and, and and I'll share this concept because this this concept really um, rings true with a lot of people, and it really the, the, you know a lot of times when I've, I give talks and that and whatnot, this is the one thing that the people take away is this, you know, that moment of clarity came from me asking questions. You know, where am I going wrong? What was go- you know what was in place in my life when things were going great when I was performing at the highest level? It's a question. It wasn't a book that I read. It wasn't a solution. It wasn't, it wasn't me working harder, just working, waking up earlier or just try hard. It was none of that. It was asking questions. And on my podcast, I've asked, you know, hundreds of people over the course of the years of the podcast that like, you know, if you have, you know, what is the one habit that you would most credit for your success? And, you know, for the Olympic gold medalist, it's never the, the um the training for the new york times best-selling author it's never the writing it's always some version of stepping off the the treadmill of life and hitting the pause button you know getting out getting out of the rat race stepping off the treadmill and and, and you know doing things like journaling or working with a coach or um you know going to conferences or seminars or doing a mastermind you know, be part of a mastermind group or, or doing some kind of retreat. And it's always some version of stepping off the treadmill of life and hitting the pause button and asking questions. And I reflect like back in on my life when I was wrestling, like what was the most important, let's say one hour of the entire wrestling season? It was never training. It wasn't in the, 
wrestling room. I wasn't in the weight room. I wasn't watching film. It was the one hour that I spent sitting down with my coaching staff at the beginning of the season, laying out the plan for the season, setting my goals and identifying how we're going to get from here to there. That's the most important one hour. So to get from where you're at, and this is for the listener, to where you want to go, it's not about waking up earlier, working harder, you know, reading the next book, whatever. It's none of those things. All those things may be part of the solution, but the solution starts with the, the questions. And I, I've coined the phrase productive pause or the term productive pause. I like it. Productive pause is that here's the definition. The definition of a productive pause is this. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. Clarity of action and peace of mind. That's what we all want is clarity of action and peace of mind. It doesn't come from doing the same thing today for no better reason than that's what I did yesterday. And then doing the same thing tomorrow for no better reason than that's what I did today. That's the opposite of a productive pause. That's just beating your head against the wall, you know, over and over and over. But when you hit the pause button and do, you know, for example, in the military, they call it an after action review. An after action review is simply after a mission, they'll come back and say, what went right? What went wrong? What will we do differently next time? You ask yourself those three questions. Those aren't solutions, but you ask yourself those three questions. You're going to come up with ideas and solutions and evaluations of, you know, what, do, what went well? Okay, let's keep doing those things. What did not go well? This, this, and this. Okay, um, you know, what are we going to do differently next time? Well, you know, we identify what didn't go well, but some of those were out of our control, but here's what we can do differently next time. This, this, and this. That's, that is, if there's such a thing as the secret to success, that is it. That's the one. Productive pause. I like that productive pause. It's very good. Good job, man. <laughs> People love that. I mean, that concept, it's like, yeah. I just discovered it. I didn't invent it. You know, I discovered it, you know? Yeah. Um, You're just thinking it, it, it makes sense. So do you, going back to that night, you know, so, and here's the difference. I, I, it could be. Because a lot of people with that a level of stress that, I've been there, you know, uh, everything's failing bills. You, uh, you don't know if you're at that, that, that time of life, but, um, you know, there was a time where what bills are going to get paid, you know, we, right. you know, uh, okay. How much money do we have to get groceries? You know, counting, do we have, uh, 50 bucks to go get groceries? We've got two kids. It's like, yeah, you know, and the stress of, well, you know, your significant other who that, whoever that is like, what, what are you doing, man? You know, uh, so I, I've been right there and, and uh, laying in bed thinking. Um, and I'm not a religious guy. I remember laying in bed praying um, and uh, just thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know what the next steps are, but I have, a, if I keep moving forward, something will happen and I'll continue to change. Now, I didn't do it like you did, um, where I, you're obviously much smarter than I am. And being able to really think and kind of verbalize that. One thing I, I, I have never done well with, uh, and it's just it's something that I'm working on, is you were talking about journaling or writing down your goals, your plans. Now I have them all. They're always in here. They're changing a little bit here and there as age, uh, as, as I age, as the people around me age. Uh, like children and all that, but I, I have them in here, but I never, I have put them down, but I'm not, you know, a lot of people talk about being dedicated, writing those goals down all the time. 
Um, is did you find yourself the next day kind of writing out the thoughts that you you had that night, or yeah. did you just keep them bottled up? I, I wish I could say that it was this like, um, you know, after I had that moment of clarity that the very next day I had these, I, I knew exactly what to do. I didn't. I had to piece it together over the course of years of figuring this out. <clears throat> um, I mean, and now it's, you know, I save my clients all the work. You know, it's literally, I've got videos, and worksheets, and, um, you know, there's group coaching and there's one-on-one -on -one coaching you get. And you just, you get walked through it very neatly. For me, it wasn't neat. You know, it was research and discovery and trying and failing and, you know, a lot of, a lot of effort went into it. Um, the process is very clearly refined now. Um, but yeah, eventually I got around to writing out my goals and okay. figuring out, okay, what do the right goals look like? Well, they should be based upon the vision you have for your life. What's the vision for your life? I don't know. Well, <laughs> figure it out, you know, productive pause. What's the vision for your life? What is, what does the ideal day look like in your life? You know? Um, you know, what do you want people to say about you when, after you die, like your funeral, right? The funeral mm -hmm. exercise. I didn't invent it, but I've, I've heard of it before. That's part of the, it's part of the process. Um, you know, if you doubled your income, how does that change your life? Does it change it at all? What do you do with that money? That will tell you what you've, those questions, those kinds of questions tell you and teach you about yourself and what you value. You can extrapolate information from those about what kind of goals you should be setting. And it's, you really need somebody outside of yourself to help you go through that because, you know, we, we sort of paint some of this with our own, our own, uh, you know, experiences and what we, we think, but when you have somebody outside of your own head, helping you reflect on things and saying, what about this sentence? You wrote this, like, what about this? You said that, you know, what about that? Let's go deeper there and, and really pick through that stuff and go, ah, this is, this is how I want to live my life. And when you have that process and somebody outside of you and a group of people doing this with you, it's, um, it's, it's transformational. You know, it makes so much sense. And we do that in a lot, a lot of parts of our lives or we're taught to do that with a lot of parts of our lives. Um, but except we're not really taught to do that for ourselves. Just as a, as a silly example, um, we're redoing our basement, right? So we're having a flooring people come in. So it was, all right, we got the garage. Let's throw away a lot of shit in the garage, bring up some stuff from the basement to get ready for them to do the floors. Uh, it was just this past weekend as well. I was thinking about it. Um, and I'm going through things and I'm like, oh, we should keep that. I mean, we haven't used it for 20 years, but my grandmother, nanny gave it to me and right, I really should, you know, and then I, and my wife goes, listen, call Rachel. Rachel helps us clean our house. Uh, and, and unfortunately, Rachel wasn't available, but I was like, yeah, let's get Rachel over here because Rachel will come over and be like, when was the last time you used this? Get it out of here. Get it out. I don't care about your sentimental value. Get it out of here. Yeah, we need a Rachel. We all need we, a Rachel in our we lives. We all need a Rachel in our lives. And that's, I mean, that's really what you've become is, is, is the Rachel in our lives to say, yeah, yeah, because uh, it's hard to do it yourself. You're, you're so caught up in your own uh, bullshit. You know, yep. and um, yeah, and to have somebody else come in, it, it makes so much sense. But I think people are afraid. Uh, and do you find that that people are, especially when maybe when you first meet them, they, you know, they don't. But 
we've been taught to be guarded with our emotions. We've oh, yeah. been taught to be guarded with our, our true thoughts. And I, 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 I've tried to kind of, I am trying to be better and being very transparent about what I'm thinking, not, not to be harsh on people, not to make people feel badly. I don't go that far. Um, but try, in business, try to be very transparent, very open, uh, whether it's about, you know, how much money do you make if you do this? Ask me. I'll tell people, ask me how much money I make because you should know. I mean, if you're going to be a client of mine, you should know what, what's in it, you know, what I'm getting out of it. And if that doesn't align, uh, we should talk about that, right? Um, but a lot of people, I think, are very, are very afraid of that. And if you've experienced it, how, how do you put them at ease? Or Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, the, the whole relationship starts with a one-on-one -on -one coaching call to see if I'm even a fit for the person. Mm -hmm. or, or to be honest, if they're a fit for, for me and us in, in our program, because not everybody's the right fit. I'm not the right, right. person for everybody, and, and they're not the right person for, for us. When I say us... Uh, I have other coaches who are part of our program and, and, and a community of amazing people that we cultivate. And, and so we start with a conversation and yeah, some of them don't go very deep. And if they're not willing to go deep and really uncover like what their challenges are and really address them head on, probably not going to work. Uh, but if they're, that doesn't, most people who sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me, they're, they're doing it for a reason, right? They're, they're wanting to get to the bottom of something and uncover something. So, you know, I asked them in the questionnaire in advance, like, what are your, you know, what are the areas you want to improve in your life? And what are the biggest obstacles? And, you know, just those questions alone start getting you thinking. And then I tell them at the beginning of the call, like, we're going to go through this. We're going to talk about what you're, you know, what you want to improve. Why do you want to improve it? What are the challenges? How does it make you feel? How, what does it cost you? What do you actually want? And, are you willing to, to get there? And, you know, and so we, we go through that, that questioning process, that productive pause process. And, um, we usually get pretty deep. Yeah. 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 I yeah. bet. But it's hard, I but, but I'm, I'm, I'm having conversations with people for the first time that I've never met before. And this is a conversation they've never had with anybody, not with their spouse, not with their best friend, not with any family member. I am the very first person. Like, but that's what a coach is. That's what a coach yeah. is for people. It's somebody who they can go to and, and really pull back the curtain in their lives and share, these are the challenges. Help me through this. Help me think through this. And it's a powerful experience. So when somebody hires you for, or, or at least does that consultation, it, I would just assume, you know, it's not, it's different than what I do, but, and again, we don't talk about what I do but it's very similar in, in, in some sense that they're confiding a lot in you, but you find that you, and what, something that I've figured out for my business is that if I'm your first contact, what usually happens is we, 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 we dig d deep into what's going on, but then I have other people around me, my team that I can bring in because for one, there's different perspectives there, right? Different People have different strengths and weaknesses, um, but I would take a lot of that home with me. You know, like, oh man, how do how am I going to help these people? These people really need help, and what am I going to do? And if I'm doing X, Y, and Z, are we sure that that's 100% the right thing uh, for them? And I'm thinking about this stuff nonstop. And it, I found at some point in my life that it was actually not necessarily interfering with my relationships, but I wasn't always 100% uh, 
focused on the people I should be focused on because I've got these thoughts from, you know, Joe and Jane I was talking to the day before going, okay, how do I, how do I really, how do I really help them in bringing that stuff home? Do you find, do you have a team that then helps you relieve some of that pressure or do you keep it all and just have, you know, whatever your process is to deal with that kind of thing? You mean in terms of like helping clients uh, deal with that, and, or or me or personally more, having my you, own personal? You're personal, you know, and clients. I want to get into the client side, but like that's a lot of pressure. And I don't know how many clients oh, yeah. you, you have, but there's a lot of pressure yeah. on you if you're by yourself. Totally. So I so I coach people to, <clears throat> among other things, have their own team. Right. And that team is their financial advisor. It's their doctor. It might be a counselor or a therapist. And uh, for me, you know, I have a coach. Uh, I'm in a mastermind group of my own. Um, you know, of course, I have my financial advisor and my doctor and we have a marriage therapist that we see sometimes. And it's like, yeah, my wife's a licensed therapist herself, you know. And, well. and so, yeah, we, we have I have that team. Um, I, I talk to people about create that, that environment of excellence for yourself. So you have your own outlets, you know? Um, and I'll be honest, my clients are, are amazing people and, and they share and they're going through their own hardships and challenges. Um, but it's a pretty uplifting, positive, amazing community. And I count them as part of my own environment of excellence because we have these group coaching calls and like, man, I learned so much from them. They're awesome people and, and, you know, just the habits and tactics that they use and the books that they read and the wisdom and knowledge that they share. It's a positive in my life. And yeah, I carry some, some hard, some hard stuff that they share with me, but, um, and it's, they share with their, their other coaches who are in our program, but like, it's, um, it's all, it's all pretty positive, extremely positive experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, getting to know one of my, you know, with this podcast, I, I don't know, you, well, you started your podcast how, six years ago or? Seven years ago, yeah. Seven years ago. And you're on episode? 360 something now? 360, yeah. You're episode 16, I think. Um, so I got a long way to yeah. go. Um, but in this short period of time, um, you know, what I found talking to people and, and this show is, it's, it's not about entrepreneurship. It's not, but it's, it's about interesting people talk, telling their story. Um, and I'm just hoping that I can work on being better at trying to get that story out of people and uh, learning myself, but just meeting people that have a higher standard, you know, and becoming friends, you know, like if somebody says, oh, you know, um, you know, Jim, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a friend of mine now. I mean, you live in a different, you know, but now it's a contact. We've talked for, you know, at this point, we're at an hour and 10 minutes. So now I've really kind of yeah, gotten to know you. Got to, we talked and, last week or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and I hope to talk again and, and keep, mm -hmm. keep those, but it's a whole different mindset when you're, when you surround yourself with that excellence, like you're talking about, um, because those people, even though everybody has their own problems, uh, and it's important, as you were saying, to have somebody to share that with, help guide you, help help work through them uh, and bring a different perspective, but just surrounding yourself with those type of people. And you've heard it all through your life, right? And, you know, surround yourself with great people. But the difference that you make, that it makes when you do that, even if it's just virtually through a computer and you're talking to somebody, you don't get to go sit down and have a beer with them or, you know, have a coffee or lunch face-to-face. -face. Um, 
it, it, it does feel better. And that's why I alluded to a little bit earlier, just meeting that, meeting you, talking to you, meeting some of the people that, that you introduced me to, you know, talking to Ruben who introduced me to you, um, uh, you know, talking to Kenny Lehman, who does the Ironman, and you know he's introducing me to people. It's it's amazing, and there's nothing in it for anybody. You know, you you introducing me to your friends that you became friends with. There's nothing really in it for you. I, I you know, I'm not offering anything for you of of real value, but um, but that's what people do. You know, and uh, it's successful people do. Um, and sometimes I, I look out into the world and see people, and you know. They, they, they're not jealous, but they don't really want you to succeed. You know, they're not going to go out of their way to help you. Um, and I've always heard of those people in, in, in spending 20 years trying to do my own thing. I haven't met a, very few of them. You know, I've, people have introduced me to people, say, hey, I, I, I could use some help. Is there any help that you could have, especially as a young, just trying to get started? And they're like, nah, I mean, yeah, maybe if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't have any fingers, man. I can't scratch your back. Uh, you know, it's, it's important. And I don't know how you find those people. I mean, without reaching out, you know, if I never, if Ruben gave me your contact information, I never reached out to you. Well, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't have met the fantastic people that you introduced me to. Um, but I can say once you find the, 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 those people to try to hold on and, and, and grow those relationships, I think yeah. is very valuable for anybody listening. I mean, yeah, I've, I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of people on my podcast and not every episode is a, is an interview. I try to alternate every other episode as an interview first I don't know, probably for the past couple of years anyway, I've done that. Um, but some of the people I stay in touch with, some I don't, you know, so like, like Ruben, you know, Ruben mm -hmm. and I talk, you know, we, we talk, you know, we've talked quite a few times over the years and we stay in touch. Uh, a lot of my guests, we don't, we don't, you know, there's not the real close connection and relationship. And you'll discover that as you publish more episodes, like there'll be some people you just, really hit it off with and you stay in touch and others like you just never talk to you again. Um, and others, you know, who can, you know, they're trying to connect you. They're trying to help you and, and find ways to help. Like those people are awesome. Like Ruben is, he's one of those people, right? Yeah. Just trying to help in any way he can. Um, and then it makes you also feel like you really want to help that guy. You know, it's just, it's, um, you don't do it quid pro quo, but, it's just a feeling that you get about a person. Like, yeah. I, I really want to help that person. I really want to help that person. I mean, and it's very strange because you go, well, this person helped me. And it's not, it, and you, said, like, you nailed it on the head. It's not a quid pro quo. It's not, okay, I have, Jim gave me a few contacts, so I have to give Jim a few contacts in return. Right. Uh, I don't feel that way at all. You know, not just, if, if you said, hey, hey man, you know, do you know anybody that fits this, that's that's a good person that fits this mold and you know maybe you can make an introduction i'd love to do that you know because yeah not for any other reason that i've had a great time speaking with you um but this popped up on my screen um the uh what what so once you get a client somebody calls you and i'm sure they find you through your podcast through your social media, through your website, through what else do you do? Do you do, uh, yeah, you've I done Ted the, talks and the three, the three main ways people find me are, are through referrals, 
um, and through my existing network, just people I know or you know new in a past life, you know, past career. Um, so there's some kind of connection I have already. Um, or the podcast. Those are the three ways, you know, as is podcast listeners, referrals, and just my network. Um, yeah. What do you find is the most powerful for you? Those is three there... are pretty evenly split because are they? okay. Yeah. And and you know, I do some cold networking outreach type of stuff and paid advertising, but none of that works as well because they don't have a, they don't really know, like, or trust me yet mm -hmm. at that point, you know? So it's the people who have listened to, you know, a, you know, an episode or a half a dozen episodes or, or people who have known, you know, they, we interacted at, you know, a prior job or something like that, or, um, you know, even old teammates and that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, referrals, you know, referrals are great because people go, hey, you know, I'm working with this coach, in this program, you got to check them out. Those are, you know, so any, any of those are, they're warmed up before we get on the call. It's like, there's already a trust factor. Yeah. Um, but it's the cold, you know, paid marketing that is less effective, but, but still, still helpful. That's all. Okay. Yeah. I don't do any of that. And, you know, my thought, and, I, and if you want to, you know, I've, I've seen your, uh, podcasts or some snippets and other things on on uh linkedin I, I i i see now now that we're friends on linkedin um i see those and then on your website um you can find them and i've watched a, a few of them and they're all very good and they're, they're they're you know mine's an hour and a half ish to two hours where yours are about seem to be about 20 30 minutes ish give or take yeah. the the conversation so it's nice it's always great information um and that's what i love is that um I mean, you're just giving information, you know, you're, you're talking to people or you're doing your, your, your individual ones and just giving information, nothing expected in return. Um, you know, you hope that that information gets out there and certainly hope that somebody wants to do business with you. They trust you. And I think that's one of the most important parts of business today is that transparency that builds trust. Um, and I'm always just trying to figure out what people are doing. Cause I, I, you know, I, I got my other business kind of figured out and I'm starting this and I don't know what I'm doing, but I just figure I'll just keep doing it and keep talking to people. And maybe one day I'll be, you know, fair at it. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. But, uh, yeah. uh it's just great meeting people and, and, and talking to them, hearing their stories. Um, so, uh, where, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best, best way to, uh, touch base with you and kind of start a process, um, of becoming a client of yours or, or at least have that yeah. initial conversation. Yeah. The initial call, people can just go to Jim com slash apply where you just apply for the free coaching call. Just a few questions, you know, grab a time on my calendar and answer a couple questions and it's pretty simple. Um, but, uh, so Jim Harshaw junior, you know, H A R S H A W J R for junior, um, uh, com. And I mean, that's the primary way, you know, I mean, people can find my podcast, go to success, you know, just look up the success through failure podcast on any podcasting platform, whether it's Amazon or Spotify or, or anything. Yeah. Apple podcasts, of course, Google podcasts, all of them. It's on, on there. Um, you can just tell your smart speaker if you have one of those, Hey Google or Siri or Alexa, play the success through failure podcast with Jim Harshaw Jr. And uh, you'll hear my voice magically pop up in your room. But the, yeah, that's the main place is, you know, check out the podcast, you know, jump on the website, click the free Claire free call uh, link in the menu and, and uh, we can talk. 
Yeah. And success yeah. through failure. I mean, I, yep. I, success I, through I, failure. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, the most important thing. Um, I, yeah, it's I, fascinating. I, I mean, the podcast, like I've interviewed, you know, Tim Ferriss and, um, you know, Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager and, you know, dozens of other books, uh, Jack Canfield, um, Bonnie St. John. She's the first African-American um, uh, Olympic winter medalist ever. Um, wow. She's the leadership speaker. She's amazing. I mean, um, I've got, got an interview on the Navy SEAL, Robert O'Neill, SEAL Team 6, Navy SEAL who killed bin Laden. You know, I've got an interview Oh, I didn't see that one. That'd be good. Quite amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. He, that was uh, earlier this year. Um, it was probably, you know, first quarter of this year or something like that is, um, you know, probably March or so when I interviewed him um, somewhere in, the, in that ballpark, but, you know, fascinating interview, but failure is, you know, the goal of the podcast is to reveal the true nature of success and the true nature of success is not clean and neat. <laughs> It involves failure. And, and you, interview, you know, I get to talk to these amazing people and, you know, tell me about your success habits and your story, but also like, tell me about a time when you failed. Yeah. Tell me about your failures and how, how you, how you view those. And it's easy to say failure is great. Everybody, we all kind of you know, know how to talk about failure and the value of failure, but like living it out is the hard part. And it's like, tell me when you actually lived out those words you mm -hmm. know? and, and it's like, it's hard, you know, and, and they, they share some pretty, pretty powerful stories of failure and how they got through it. And oftentimes that's been the catalyst for their success. It's like that failure. You know, yeah, um, it so. normally is. It really normally. Have you ever met an overnight success that didn't fail? Yeah, no, of course not. No, I mean, I, it just, I, this doesn't happen. We, we always think that success for others is easy. We, we look at their success and we look at, you know, we see them on the podium or on the stage or on TV or on social media. And we go, oh, wow, that look at how successful they are. And we just it's like an unconscious thought, like, look how successful they are. And gosh, things must have been easier for them. Because for me, it's actually hard because I've got, you know, this obstacle and this hurdle and this setback that I've, you know, had to face. They must not have that. Mm -hmm. But when you pull back the curtain, you go, oh, like, it's not, it's not just me. Like, that's it's true for them too. It's true it's for everybody. Yeah. And then problem, you know, and part of the, we talk about failure as like you and I are talking about it. It's part of life and it's something to be almost embrace. I mean, I embrace it. Uh, don't like it. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, nobody, you know, likes no, it, yeah. nobody likes it, but embrace it, learn from it. Uh, but some of the messaging we see, at least in our society, I think uh, it comes to kids in sports. Um, number one, where, it's, it's, you got to be the best, not, not necessarily, you know, I hear parents and I've been, uh, part of it as well. For some reason it's when the kids were younger, I was more aggressive than when they're older. Uh, you know, but it's like, be your, be, be the best out there. You need to be the best. And, and you, I can't believe you missed that play or you did this wrong. Um, and, and then if you look at in the real world or not the real world, but social media world, you know, a, a lot of that is just this fake, um, you know, you see the, these stories about people renting uh, rooms that look like the inside of private jets. To yeah, take their, I know. You know. It's like, oh my gosh, can you imagine being the person who does that? 
Oh. You, right. I mean, what kind of person does that? But and then you're looking and people are judging everybody else on, well, look how beautiful this. And they've got 15 filters. And uh, there I was just reading an article of um, body dysmorphism from 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 guys. You know, wow. guys are going through this terrible time or young, young, young men, I assume, where they're looking at you know, all they see on Instagram or uh, I, don't, I don't know what the most popular TikTok is, uh, you know, these ripped, shredded guys. Uh, and they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not ripped. I'm not that big. I'm not, you know, I got to go spend five hours at the gym and I got to give up everything in my life to do this. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't just be, be yourself. I mean, I'm not saying sit on the couch and eat potato chips and watch TV all day. Getting right. exercise is important, but just stop comparing yourself to these other people. Yeah. Um, and it's a hard, I think, for these young kids, you know, where, uh, you know, before, as we know, I think everybody knows, you know, the, the young adults aren't, your brain's not even fully formed till you're around somewhere around 25 years old. And right. these kids are guinea pigs um, for this technology. Now, I'm all for technology. I, I like technology and these kids, and I'm for these kids using technology just because that's the world that they're going to live in. I mean, you know, so if you hold them back from technology, you're kind of holding them back from their generation in some sense. But we don't know, or science doesn't really know, like, what is this doing to these kids' brains at this young developmental age? And I, I'm, I'm really scared for it. But as the coach like you, you know, looking at your child, how old are your kids, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, nine through 17. Okay, so you're, you're right there. Um, yeah, totally. And you know, trying to talk to them and coach them. And it's like, man, I don't even know what you're going through. I mean, I can coach you from my perspective, but it's really, yeah, really difficult. Totally different world than what we grew up in, you know, the social media, the comparing to social media. It's, it's so, it's so, um, it's so hard and it, it's just a different world than we grew up in. You know, you see all that stuff on social media and it's just, um, it's not something that you and I and, you know, people our age and older ever had to deal with. So it's, you know, thankfully, you know, my oldest two right now are boys. Um, they're not on social media. They're not, they have zero interest in social media, which is great. Great. Um, you know, I got two girls coming up though, you know, nine and 12 right now. And it's like, you know, they're already wanting to be on social media and it's like, and, and it's even harsher for girls, you know, the yes. you know, body dysmorphia and like just looking at, you know, what you're supposed to look like if you're a girl, which is all, you know, terrible, and, you know, fake stuff on, on social media. And it's like, it's just so hard, you know, but I, we don't have to get it perfect. We just have to try. Try. You know, yeah. Do our best. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll get that. I mean, and if you were, you know, I was talking to my son uh, just yesterday and he's, you know, he's 15 and he's pretty jacked. You know, he goes to the gym, he's athlete, he's doing that. And I was trying to take some credit. He's like, it's not you, dad, at all. I'm like, well, listen, I mean, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I do think, you know, you've seen me work out almost every day for your whole life. Uh, and, I, and that's reason number one that I work out every day is, is my kids. You know, there's yeah. reason number two, which is for my own health, and reason number three, so I can shovel uh, burgers and beer in my face on Friday nights. Right? That's I mean, right. that's earned right? that's that's I, I earned it. That's my cheat day, uh, yeah. and Saturdays too. You know, um, I do two cheat meals a, a yeah. week. But um, you know, reason number one was the kids need to see it. I, that doesn't mean they're going to follow. 
It doesn't mean that they're going to follow. But if they see it, I mean, there's a good chance that they, you know, whether they take it as a child or or older, they think back and go, well, and that's how it was with my dad. My dad, he could have gone to, you know, the Steelers gym, but we had a gym in our basement. It was, and it's the way I love to work out now. My wife's like, I work out in my garage. I don't go to a gym. I work out in my garage, which is like, it's a garage, you know, it's nothing fancy. It's concrete floor, um, dumbbells, kind of a bench with a tear in it somewhere. It has to have a tear as it's yeah. just too new. Um, she's like, make this place nice. I'm like, no, no, no. Hey, this is how I grew up working. I was the old Rocky style, just bare bones, just steel and you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, but that's how my dad worked out. And I'd go down and he had this uh, big rack and we'd stand on the rack. He'd push us up. We'd load it up with all the weights he had. I think I was a monster. He's like, yeah, incredible Hulk. And my, my sister and I would stand on the back for more weight. He'd push it. I just remember that as a kid. So I always took that in. I go, okay, well, maybe hopefully that's a taught lesson that I learned. I can at least take that forward. Um, and that comes down with, you know, anything, you know, it's, uh, whatever traumas you, you face as, as a child and you grow up with those traumas and you pass those traumas down time to kind of reflect and say, Oh shit, I, you know, making a mistake. Let's, let's reevaluate. That's, I mean, that's pretty much the whole conversation we've been having this whole time. Yeah. 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 That must've been a different experience growing up with, with somebody of your dad's stature, you know? Um, and you know, I feel like, like for me a little bit, like, you know, obviously nowhere, nowhere close to your dad, but I had a successful wrestling career. You know, we live in Charlottesville, Virginia, where the university of Virginia is. We go into the wrestling wrestling practice room or the comp or where they compete in the arena. And like my name and picture and stuff are up on the wall in a lot of different places. And it's like, it's great, but it's also like, I don't want my kids to feel that pressure um, yeah. of, of, you don't have to walk in my shoes or live up to anything that I ever did. Like you make your own path and be, just be happy. I don't want them to, I don't care if they're athletes or not athletes. I just want them to find, you know, their own path and their own joy. Um, so I'm curious, was that, what was, was that something that, that, you know, what, what was that like growing up and, you know, your dad's a freaking legend in Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a deity. Yeah. Uh, it was, it, 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 as a child, it was fine. I didn't, you know, to me, he was just dad, uh, as a kid, I didn't know any better. Yeah, right. Um, growing then aging and kind of having this expectation, I, not too long ago, I mean, within the last year or two, somebody said, Oh, you're, you're, you're Rocky's son. Cause that's what it always was. It wasn't me. It was rock's son, you know? And you yeah. go, yeah, I'm rock's son. And they were like, Oh, you're like royalty here. I'm like, I, I'm 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 really not anything. I mean, my father was yeah he was a football player and he's got a great story. I mean, nothing to take away from him. But uh, so a lot of personally my insecurities and things that I'm dealing with, you know, as I said, when I was maybe turned forty ish, started reflecting and looking at myself and saying, oh, you know, I have a lot of trauma, tr- quote unquote trauma, not physical trauma, really mental trauma, but just kind of sure. emotional trauma of being. Um, you know, always being seen as rock son. And I'm still that way today. You know, yeah. they go, Oh, okay. you're, you're rock son. Yeah. Yes. I, I do have a name. I mean, I, and I get Adri is a weird name, so they don't want to say my name because they don't know how to pronounce it anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's something I've, I've dealt with, um, and try to figure it out. And, you know, I watch it in my kids now even, um, because they're not as close to that, 
but it's still oh you're oh you're Rocky's grandson or you're Rocky's yeah, grand sure. grandkids and uh, it um, it's interesting to watch from the outside and uh, they're very proud of it but and they're not nearly as close to it right. um, so I don't know for myself what the right answer is. Uh, but I know it's something that I have to deal with to, just to become my own person. It's nothing negative. I don't want to sound a, I, I don't know if trauma was the right word, but just my own insecurities from that, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, I bet. I bet it was a unique upbringing. You know, just, an, I mean, you're hearing that over and over, you know, you're, you're rock sun, rock sun. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like someone with a you know, similar situations with like a big brother, you know, it's like, oh, you're so-and-so's little brother. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm me. No, you know, I'm me. I, I I have my own story and yeah, uh, I have my own things that I want to accomplish. And you know, it was always, do you play football? What do you mean? I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, I know, you know, we talked about maybe an hour and a half or so, so we're almost at that time. But um, when I was a kid, and I probably don't, you know, kids' memories. Eh, who knows how this really went in real life? But what I remember is we had to. Um, I don't know if I told this story on the show before, so if I did, I apologize. But um, we were, would have to show up at the uh, airport two hours early, you know, before you had to show up two hours early. You know, back in the 80s, sure. um, you could just get out of your car and basically walk on a flight. There was no, no security, TSA. Yeah. 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 Um, but we'd always have to show up about two hours early because Rock being the way that he is, um, always was there for the fans and always sat and talked to people and would wait till the last person got their autograph. And as a kid, you're like, come on, like, I don't want to do this. I, you're sitting there. So a, a gentleman comes up to me and I'm, I'm going to guess maybe I'm eight years old, just pure guess. Uh, and then to my mind, you know, he asked me a question. He said, do you, do you play football or are you playing football? Something to that, and at the time, I actually, I mean, I was playing football on football season, but at the time it was, it wasn't football season. So I said, no, I'm not playing football right now. And he's like, what the, and I remember him using expletives, you know, at the F word, who the, who do you think you are? You know, do you know who your father is? You wow. need to be playing football, you know, uh, what's the matter with you? And it's like, I, I'm eight years old, man. I don't know what's the matter with me. I didn't even know there was something wrong with me. And, yeah. and uh, obviously, 40 years later, I still have that story in my head. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think about that, not all the time, but I think about that from time to time. And I think, oh, okay, that's something I have to deal with. And, and how does that relate to who I am? How does that relate to who I want to be uh, and who I, you know, who, the future me? And how can I correct some of those so I don't, you know, we talk about working out and transferring that down generations. How do I not make sh make sure I don't transfer that uh, those feelings to 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 my kids? You know. Yeah, yeah, and, and like we have to understand, like words matter. Like the words mm -hmm. that we say to our kids, the words that we say to our spouses and ourselves, like those matter a lot. And and one of the things that we work on in my program is, you know, coming up with a mantra, like a mantra that we say and we repeat to ourselves and. Um, like all that stuff, like that identity piece is so critical. It's so important. And, um, it's overlooked, you know, uh, over the years, like I've, I've wrestled with a lot of self doubt over just my, even still my, my whole life, you know I mean? Um, and I have things that I actually do have done and still do to, to overcome that. Right. I have my, my whole vision for my life 
sort of script it out, like what I want my life to look like. And I've had to update it over the years as I kind of get to new levels, but I script it out and I have it, I record it as an audio and I have it on my phone and I, you know, I play it. I just, you know, whether I'm driving down the road sometimes, or I just listen to it and it's, you know, five or six minutes long and I listen to it. And because I know those words matter, we as human beings have a negativity bias. You know, mm -hmm. we, we listen to the negative more than we listen to the positive. And so I, intentionally force positive stuff into my mind that's that's the words do matter and I, you know and another thing is uh to keep in mind something that i've been working on is words matter to people right but what also matters is the words you say when you don't think somebody's listening yeah uh, the words you say when when somebody isn't listening you know when mm -hmm. you're talking about uh, about somebody behind their back um, which I, I've done, you know, I, and it's something sure. that I'm trying to be sure. just positive about. And sometimes you just have shitty people. I mean, there are yeah. just, you know, and you just, okay, that's a shitty person. I don't need to deal with them. But sometimes we would get stuck in that negativity. We have a negative mindset, or at least I know that I do. Sometimes I, I and I don't want to have that. I'm trying to erase that from my life. So instead of, you know, maybe looking at a different perspective, it just happened today. A guy's driving, he's turning left. He, he doesn't know where he's going. I'm trying to get downtown, come do this show. And he guys like going two miles and I'm like, there's a left, like, so I honk my horn at him, probably too aggressively. I mean, I wanted to give him a little honk just to be like, okay, it's time to move. I'm not sure what you're doing. Yeah. And I, and then he's, he's just all over the place. Obviously shouldn't be driving. I mean, he shouldn't be driving, but I pull up to him as we're, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm have these negative thoughts about this guy. And I look over and it's this old Asian man driving this van, just, you know, you can, you know, yeah. he doesn't know where he doesn't know the roads. And if you don't know the yeah. roads in Pittsburgh, you're, right. you're done for. And, yeah, and of course, I, right. I immediately felt, uh, badly. I don't know what the, the sure. right word on myself, just thinking, ah, dude, why are you being such a dick? Uh, yeah. you know, I, it's I just a thing. guy trying to yeah. get through, try to look at his perspective. You're yeah. honking at him. He's like, man, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. If you, yeah. Think, my, okay. my wife taught me that, you know, I learned that from her. It's like, you know, I used to, you know, get annoyed with people who cut you off or, you know, zoom around you or something like that. And I would get pissed and she'd be like, what if that person just got really bad news? Like, what if they just got fired or they're, they're late for an, a job interview or a meeting or they're on the way to the hospital? I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Could be. it's yeah. a different perspective. You know, we've all done that. We've all been the person driving slow, looking around because I don't know if I have to make a left or a right here. And if I make the wrong turn and I'm going to go the whole way around and I'm going to be late for something. It's like we've all been that person. Um, yep. So it's, it's a good perspective to have. It is. It is. Um, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and I could talk. We could talk another two hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I know you've, you're a busy man. A busy man. Uh, so everybody can go to jimharshawjr.com. I have that right. That's right. Okay. Uh, check, check him out on LinkedIn. Um, you, you know, other places, uh, Instagram, yeah, Instagram and Facebook. Jim Harshaw Jr. Twitter, Jim Harshaw, you know, just Google my name, uh, on any of those, you search my name on any of those platforms and you'll find me. Um, you can find the success through failure podcast anywhere. Awesome. Everybody check it out. It's great. Uh, and go look at that other video that, uh, nail in the head we talked nail about. That was, that's a great one too, but Jim, yeah. I appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I thank, thank, uh, thank you for taking your time. Um, and I certainly want to uh, keep in touch. Yeah. Likewise, Adri. Thank you. All right. Take care, man.